Welcome to the dark forest Jackie and her pals will never bore us Shameless confessions about our obsessions Will make us laugh and smile So let's explore the dark forest And dork down for a while Hey, it's Jackie Cation. Welcome to the Dork Forest. You know the websites, JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com, TheDorkForest.com, FamilyPetAncestry.com. You're probably already there. Let's do the credits. Mike Rickberg composed and sang that song with his wife, Sarah, that you just heard. He's going to sing his version of the Mexican hat dance at the end of the program. Patrick Brady is going to fix this audio, and Vilmos works on JackieCation.com the website. There are many ways to support the show. The Amazon link is one. You can use an Amazon link from JackieCation.com or DorkForest.com to go to Amazon. You order like normal and it supports the show. There is a straight up donation button, PayPal or Venmo to this uh, email address that is mine, Jackie at JackieCation.com, where you can just donate to the show if you like the show a lot. I think PayPal has figured out a way to do a monthly. If you want to go monthly, please do. Other ways to support the show if you want to is you can buy merch. There's Dork Forest t-shirts and all the shirts are union made here in America. So they run a little big. Union Bayside. So if you want to look up their size chart. And then the other merch is my stand-up merch. On JackieCation.com, you can watch me do stand-up. You can look at my schedule and the stand-up merch, a couple of different t-shirts, couple of different enamel pins, and all my CDs and my DVD. If you want to live stream my DVD, it's over there at ComedyFilmNerds.com. They have a live streaming capability, or you can get a hard copy of the DVD on my website. Oh, there are premium episodes at Bandcamp. TheDorkForest.Bandcamp.com has probably 10 episodes that were done live. They cost me a couple of bucks to make, so I charge you a couple of bucks. If you've run out of regular episodes, go over to TheDorkForest.Bandcamp.com and get some more. Other than that, I say this. Let's get into the show. Hey, it's Jackie Cation. I am still in my living room, you guys. I'm not in my living room. What has happened? I've already ruined it. No, I haven't. I'm in Bloomington, Indiana in my hotel room, and... People who live in Bloomington, Indiana, wanted to be on the show. So this is the second one I'm recording. It's very exciting. Um, welcome to the show, Rachel Reichard, right? Yes, that's correct. Right. You got, got it right. right. You got you, it right. Now, you have a podcast. I do. I do. Called Utility Muffin Labs. Well, that's our website, utilitymuffinlabs.com. Dot com. That's right. Yeah, we actually host three podcasts on our website. Um, I do one with my lovely significant other, Nathan Seaver, um, called The Playing Hooky Podcast, where we're kind of inspired by your podcast, but also um, your mom's house podcast, okay. um, where we, you know, we got together a little bit later in life in our mid-30s, and we had um, a lot of cool differing but similar interests that were very dorky and so the the spirit of the podcast is to share our different um dorky things that we're into and expose each other other to things that we may not have known about so before it's just the two of you talking it's just the two of us talking do you really do guests uh, we've had one guest on so far oh. um but to kind of help with so we did a buffy the vampire slayer episode <laughs> so i had to get a fellow buffy expert on to help me you know indoctrinate him fully right 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 plus there's a whole there's so many levels oh of- my god of TV dorkdoms where yes. you're just like, 
well, I know this thing. Yeah. And somebody else knows this other thing. And so when you, it, it's nice to have all the different angles, though it is nice to get an email saying, hey, you forgot to talk about that. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there will be another episode about whatever you loved, and I will talk about that. Right. Then. So all good. So you, ha- so you have Playing Hooky, and it's Hooky Podcast on Twitter. Right? At Hooky Podcast. Yeah, you can follow us there. We have a, a modest amount of Twitter followers, but um, very, in. very dedicated who, who comment often a lot of um, our listeners right now come from his other podcast, which is 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, which is a podcast he and his best friend Bob have dedicated solely to the role-playing game Vampire the Masquerade, wherein they review all of the publications by White Wolf in line, in order, starting in 92 all the way to present day. Wow. Yeah. I have to say that I've I've heard of White Wolf, and I've played, I've started playing one of those role-playing games, Okay, I never... Which uh, one? It didn't take off. Can't remember. Okay. Uh, good to know. Good to know. All right. And, uh, <laughs> uh, well, because uh, Andy Ashcraft, uh, my significant other, uh-huh. will um, will introduce a game and we'll we'll try to play it. And right. then if he's not running it, um, it could fall apart. Right. Because if he's running it, we're together. Mm-hmm. So it can complete itself. Right. If it's someone else running it, they're with someone else, and maybe they complete it without us. Gotcha. But um, but it's it's a scheduling nightmare our, our lives. So, so let me let me ask you this: as someone else who isn't a, a, a gaming couple, uh, is your is Andy typically like? the 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 game master that everybody goes to like if he's not running a game do games not happen because that seems to be the situation with Nate where he really wants to be a player but he's always being called upon to be the storyteller oh, or the GM right he's uh, and he's got a you know I do that to him okay his friends uh, <laughs> yes it is not it's not my finest moment but uh, because he is really good at reading directions yeah and so he can he has played so many games right so he can figure out how to play the game faster than anyone mm-hmm. and but he is he has 40 close friends mm. from wow. college okay 40 that's a lot and uh, they are all they all want a game mm-hmm. all the time mm-hmm. and so he's constantly. Like if I'm out of town, um, and I am a lot, but, right. or, or if I am, I'm home and I have a, a set, he's like, well, maybe I'll just go over to Graydon's house and play games, which is one of his friends. Right. And any night of the week, any number of people are having game nights. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so he's, and plus he's a game designer by trade. Right. So he right. has, um, work friends who also do a lot of pen and paper play tests mm-hmm. for video games and board games that they're working on. Right. So no, but yes. <laughs> so <laughs> What a wonderful life that must be. <laughs> it's a wonderful life, but, yeah. he, but he does get to play it more okay. because he has right. more friends. Yeah. It's, yeah, your, your, your partner has got to find um, right. some more, uh, like deep dive nerds, yeah, that will run the games that he can just be right. part of. Yeah, so he's 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 definitely he and both his his buddy Bob are, are kind of the the go to storytellers and or GMs in their friend group. So I'm the worst. I like I'm like I don't want to read the whole book. Just tell me what make, I need to know and make my character for me. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he has, he's like he loves to make characters. Okay, luckily, yeah, uh, because I do not. Okay, and, but he created a game called the Hero Instant. Okay, and there the Hero Instant, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, is available at theheroinstant.com. It is a free role-playing game. Okay. And it is a superhero game where okay. you can have any superpower whatsoever. But he created it. He genuinely invented it because you can make a character in less than 15 minutes. Nice. And that, and he did it because I don't like to make characters. That That is like a major pain point is that some of these games,
games, you need to have a special session before you start where you get all your players together and it can be four, five, six, seven hours, depending on how long you want it to go, just building right. like, you know, right. the group. It, it, it's usually about an hour, uh, but for, for him and his friends to, yeah. because most of his friends have swallowed the books. Okay. Like they read the books as like I would read fiction. Okay. You know, they, yeah. just, they, they like to browse the charts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So right. good for them. Right. And I, it's actually amazing for me because I, I play in a D&D game with, okay. uh, that he is the GM of with uh, four other people that have all been playing D&D since they were 13. Okay. I have been playing it for the last 14 years. Oh, wow. I am a a, a god. We are, I'm a 17th <laughs> level uh, Kalistar sword, you know, like my, my archery. I'm an archer mm-hmm. and, a, and a shadow jumper. Mm-hmm. And so like literally so many... So many powers. Right. Yeah. So it's the it's a con- continuous campaign then. It's a continuous campaign. Okay. And he's got, he's like, I have to wrap this up, you guys. It's been 14 years. <laughs> and we play probably every two months. Okay. For a day. Okay. And um, on a Saturday or something. And Fun. then, and he's like, I can't, if I pick, if he goes to the next level of monsters, mm-hmm. we're dead immediately. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't, we they're dead immediately. Okay. So it's sort of a weird space where he has to sort of juggle with many books are involved. But <laughs> whenever I want to do something, luckily I can just say I want to do this. What am I rolling? Mm-hmm. Or and I have more skills now than I did obviously twelve right. years ago. Right. But um that's actually a perfect segue because I think you've been playing D D for about as long as I've been doing karate. There we go. Finally. Whoa. Let's, <laughs> let's let Rachel talk about her dork though, shall we? We're seven minutes in. <laughs> I mean, you know what? It's free. They don't have to listen. <laughs> no, it's good. It's it's gonna be um um I say Yeah. Rachel Reichardt. Yes, Talk to me about karate. Okay, you got it. So um, I've been doing um, karate for about, or karate, um, for about... Is it really called karate? Okay, so I do feel like a bit of a douchebag when I say it that way. (laughs) Um, But yes, it is. So the the, the correct pronunciation is is, um, karate. Uh, and, um, you know, with, with my white girl accent, it's karate. If I say karate, people know what I'm talking about, but when I'm, when I'm, in the dojo or among other karateka, I say karate. Right. Um, but I do feel a little self-conscious using the correct pronunciation. But here we are in the Dork Forest, safe space. Safe space, yeah. yes. Okay, so um, I've been doing it about 15 years. I started when I was in undergrad um, and uh, always wanted to do, like I was big into martial arts as a kid, but my family was just like one that did not have all the resources. Sure. So, um, you know. The- one of the resources my family didn't have was the willingness to drive us to shit. Yes, that was, was that one of the resources? That was one of the resources. <laughs> so a uh, single mom worked nights as a nurse. Uh, so oh, yeah. yeah, single parent household. Uh, it's kind of like if you can do it immediately after school for no money, have at it. Otherwise, figure it the fuck right. out when you're 18. Figure it out. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I hope it all works out for so, you. So um, I just consumed a lot of movies, a lot of TV, and just always knew it was something I wanted to do as soon as I was able. Um, and then I had the opportunity when I was in college to um, join a martial arts group that was on campus. And it was kind of a perfect scenario because um, it was through a nonprofit organization called Shotokan Karate of America. And they had a lot of dojos at different universities around the country, and they still do. Um, Primarily concentrated in California. They're very big in California still, but they have affiliate dojos all over the country and all over the world. And it's a very traditional style of karate. Um, And uh, so it's okay. So in a couple ways. Okay. Um, So 
first of all, the belt system, a lot of people will say, oh, well, oh, like, right. yeah. So the, the belts in, in, in karate and a lot of um, like martial arts you'll see in the United States or in Western Europe, um, it's kind of, I'm not going to say fake, but it's it's a little artificial. Um, Contrived? It can be, yeah. So, so the color ranks for belts was actually something that started in judo in Japan, I believe, in like maybe the 20s or the 30s. Okay. Um, and it was just as a way to kind of organize people so you knew who had what skill levels and how to line up when you're starting practice. And because right, um, you don't want to spar with somebody exactly who's not very good and hurt them. Exactly. Because you think that they're better skilled than they are. Absolutely. Yeah. Or it's also just a way to be like deferential to people who are your seniors, who are your instructors, right? So you okay. kind of know what the ranking is. Okay. Um, and it started off initially as just uh, a white, brown, and a black belt. And then within each of those colors, there was a progression of like numbers or cues. Okay. So it's called like, so for example, um, uh, a third cue would be someone who is the highest level of white belt. And typically white would go, it would start at like a six and work its way down five, four, three, two, or five, four, three. And then when you get to like sung cue or third cue, Mm -hmm. um, I think I said that wrong earlier. So a fourth cue, a yongkyu would be like the the highest ranking white belt you could be. Okay. Then when you get to three, two, one, then you're bla- brown belt. Okay. So sangkyu, nikyu, ikyu, mm-hmm. so Japanese for three, two, one. Right. Um, those would be brown belt. Okay. And then usually once you get to EQ or first degree brown belt, you would transition to black belt after doing a special test. Right. Um, so black belt. Uh, the first level is is uh, shodan, and then it goes nidan, sandan, yodan, godan, okay. um, and then upward depending on the school that you're in. My school only goes up to fifth degree black belt, so okay. I'm currently a second degree black belt. So oh, nice. I've been doing it for a hot minute, and I have some skills. And yeah. like, uh, usually in in my organization in Shotokan Karate of America, um, how do you spell shodan? Shotokan. So it's S. Remember, I'm dyslexic, Jackie. S H O T O. K O N Shotokan, and um, and that will at least uh, if you have spelled it incorrectly, I can at least Google that. Yeah, Google. You know what? I use Google for spell check more yeah. than I do looking for things. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's it's basically a, a very um, underutilized spell checker in my life. <laughs> <laughs> for some reason, my autocorrect is constantly spelling the word talk as y'all. Wow, and have I you have no, you been in the Midwest a while? That uh, could be why. <laughs> I don't understand my southern tour is not quite so deep so i have no idea why it keeps doing that that's and the funny word think as honk wow um, i don't know what is happening anyway, that's great back to karate back to karate okay yeah so 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 we um my organization in shotokan karate of america we still kind of hold to that traditional belt color ranking okay um and progression system a lot of times in um and i don't i, I you know i'm completely ignorant of how others styles do it whether right. uh, it's different and it's perfectly fine yeah everyone's doing right so so if, get some exercise right so if i don't know <laughs> if, if i'm misrepresenting your style or your school or your martial arts sorry i just yeah. don't know about it yeah don't worry about but it but i think in taekwondo and other types of um karate um jiu- oh, are there different kinds of karate yeah yeah so there's there's a couple different styles of karate um so there's like gojuru and um shodokan and a couple others okay yeah so i could get like i could go deep into the history Please do. okay you cannot yeah you All cannot right. do too much minutia. All right. So. <laughs> <laughs> so karate um, is a martial art that originated in Okinawa, Japan. Okay. So Okinawa is part of the um, 
uh, Ryukyu Island chain, which is an archipelago. I think I said that word right. That's like um, in the southern part of Japan. It's right. a very, very beautiful area. Um, there's currently like a, a naval base there, and there's yeah. some controversy about that. You may have heard it on the news. Um, and so, uh, but because of where it's positioned, sort of it, between China and Japan, historically it had been a, an important trade route, shipping route. And so the martial arts that developed in Okinawa were very much influenced by um, merchants and travelers from China. So um, throughout its history, Okinawa and the other Ryukyu Islands have been um, conquered and sort of um, under the authority of, of Japan, but also different different countries, right? So there's a lot of cultural influences from all over. But at one point in its history... Um, the Okinawans, any type of weapon was outlawed, right? Okay. So, so, so you couldn't, you couldn't fight. You couldn't have swords. You couldn't have knives. And so, there was um, this movement to develop a martial art, or sort of a, a martial art developed kind of organically that used the open hand, and that's where we get um, karate, which is open or empty hand. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, it's basically a, a martial art that that's doesn't amazing. use any weapons, right? Right. It's really heavily influenced by Buddhist monks that came over from China, but then also just like the local martial arts that developed among the Okinawan people. Right, because they weren't allowed weapons. They had mm-hmm. to figure out a way to defend themselves right. um, without weapons. Exactly, yeah. Okay. So, so um, the, you know, there's... I, I could go way deep into that, but but I won't. So essentially, where Shotokan we can go back to it if there's time. Well, if I knew more and wasn't gonna like stumble over my words, then I would totally, you totally go back. Would. Yeah, I totally would. You'd wow us all. Yeah. Do it. So anyway, so so where Shotokan sort of developed, or where it did develop, was um, there was a gentleman who lived in Okinawa, and um, when he was a child, he was very, very sickly and um, was very small for his age, and his parents were like, well, we need to toughen this kid up, so we're going to, they, they sent him to, to train with two of the martial arts masters in his town, and his name was Gichin Funakoshi, and he grew up to be this um, karate expert, and he was just, he was a really humble guy, he had a, what you know. was this? Uh, this was, I believe, the early 1900s. Okay. So, um, um, before World War II, well okay. before World War II when he was a child. Um, and so he was, you know, uh, it's just something he did as, as, you know, part of his, his daily life, his daily routine. You know, as he grew up, he, he, he took on students, but it was never his job. It wasn't his career. He was actually an elementary school teacher. Okay. Um, well, at one point when he was maybe in his 30s, um, the emperor, uh, someone from Tokyo, it, I don't know if it was the emperor or if it was uh, like a delegate, right. came to tour the, the island that he lived on. And, um, you know, as a way to welcome this person, they did a demonstration of the different arts um, from the island. And one of them was a karate demonstration. And this person who was there representing the emperor, could have been the emperor himself, not sure, um, was like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. Would you come and demonstrate this at the emperor or for the emperor in Tokyo, um, along with other Japanese martial arts, because we want to display the different um, fighting styles across the island as a way to have pride in Japan. Right. So he actually did. He and his son um, went from Okinawa to Tokyo and demonstrated um, karate uh, for the emperor um, alongside of some judo experts and some other traditional Japanese martial arts, I believe like kendo and, and things like that. Um, and people really wanted to learn this martial art that he taught, and um, or karate, and so they begged him to stay. And so he actually stayed in Tokyo, never went back to his hometown in Okinawa ever again. We're, okay, here's a quick question. Yeah, yeah. What is a 
what, what is a display of karate? So there would probably be um, like to do a demonstration. They <laughs> right, would like, they're probably they would probably demonstrate like the three major components of what our traditional practice is. So there's kata, which you may have seen are like the prescribed forms. So if you okay. ever see an, uh, one person in a gi doing like different movements and like sort of a prescribed regimen, that's kata. And we do kata. We practice kata um, one because it's it's really good for building stamina and flexibility ability, but it also helps you um, practice uh, stances and punches and blocks and kicks um, over and over again with a lot of repetition without actually physically hurting someone else. Okay. So it's a way for you to develop muscle memory um, without pound, without pounding someone in the face. Excellent. Please don't. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then the other part that they may have demonstrated was keyhone, which are basic techniques. So just, you know, what a basic kick, would, what, what dif- the different kicks would be, things like that. Oh, more of a, more footwork? Yeah. Okay. Things like that. Or the third part of our traditional practice is kumite, which is sparring. And there's several different kind of type, types of sparring that you would do depending on your level um, and how, um, what whether it would be like full contact or things like that. Um, so he, he went to Tokyo. He did a demonstration of these things alongside other experts in their different martial arts. Um, and he was asked to stay, and he stayed in mainland Japan uh, for the rest of his life teaching karate. And the way we got the name Shotokan was because Master Funakoshi, uh, in addition to being like, you know, um, a karate expert, uh, in addition to being like an elementary school teacher, he was also a calligrapher. So this was a gentleman who was very into the arts. Right. And his pen name in calligraphy was Shoto, which okay. the translation, if I'm remembering correct, is like, it's, it's, it's Shoto means the sound the wind makes over pines. Okay. So it's very beautiful meaning, very, right? Very, very um, so his students started saying, referring to when they went to his house to practice and to train, they would say that they were going to the house of Shoto, which is where we get the word Shotokan. Okay. So Shotokan Karate is like directly uh, linked to Gichin Funakoshi. Um, so he, uh, this is enormously specific. I love it. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's, it's so, <laughs> so nerdy. Um, <laughs> so then, um, you know, time goes on, uh, Japan enters world war two and a lot of his students join the military. Okay. And at this time he's an older gentleman. He's not, you know, eligible to join. He can't be recruited. I, I don't know if, if that was something that they did in Japan or not, whether or not you were, um, uh, what's it called when you the drafted, drafted, if you had to go into the military mm-hmm. or not, but he was, he was not. But at this point he's 60 years old. He's probably in his 50s or 60s. Yeah, yeah like he he's he, by what we would con- consider to be like an older person. I don't you know, Japanese people live forever, right? So I don't know what what 50 or 60 would look like at, at this point in time in history, but uh he wasn't going to fight in a war. Right. But a lot of his students were and they went with the expectation that they weren't coming back. So they would go to him and they'd say, you know, Master Funakoshi, thank you. You've enriched my life. Um, you know, thank you. And so he he lost essentially all of his students. Um, a few did come back after the war to continue training, but um, I believe sometime during the war or after the war, he um, started teaching at Waseda University and a few other universities in Japan. And Waseda is kind of like the Harvard of Japan. Okay. Um, and so uh, a lot of the students that came out of the first several 
crops of classes he taught, yeah. um, they would graduate and they would go around the world to train in graduate school or okay. they would move to different areas of the world. And so it was really um, his his students from Waseda University and, and other universities, um, Waseda is one I know about the most, uh, that went kind of globally and, and spread Shotokan Karate throughout the world. Okay. Um, and Shotokan is one of the, the most um, studied styles of karate out there. Um, it's, you know, it varies from, from their different organizations. Some of them are for profit. Some of them are non-for-profit. Uh, you know, you have your McDojos that pop up on the corner street corner (laughs) that are like, you know, karate, taekwondo, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, mixed martial arts. And, and, you know, they charge a lot of money. Krav Maga. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, not to say that those are less valid, um, or that, you know, a lot of people associate, um, karate with like something little kids do. Um, like, oh, I did karate when I was, you know, like eight and I got a black belt and like, okay, that's fine. But that's, that's a progression probably of like more and more Western influence. Right. And it's a separate thing. It's a separate thing. Like, it's kind of like, you know, when you, when you look at it on, it's like when you look at a hamburger on the surface, a hamburger is a hamburger, but there's a difference in getting like a really well-crafted hamburger and something at McDonald's. Right. right? This is sort of an adult version. Yeah, I would say, yeah. And so like my organization that I've I've practiced with, um, we don't typically encourage people to start practicing until they're maybe eight, nine, ten years old. That's the youngest. Okay. Because it can be pretty physically intense and we don't want any, we want people to kind of like start to be developing their body, you know, getting closer to maturity. Right, to have the motor skills. Have the motor skills, the, the, the patience, the ability to focus, right? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, usually we don't let anyone test for black belt until they're 16. Okay. Yeah, so you actually have to ha- have a bit more of an adult mentality, a little bit more of like your 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 physique has to be kind of solidified. Yeah. Um, and that's just to kind of start to prevent injury. Okay. A lot of, a lot of kids who do sports, whether it's gymnastics or martial arts or dancing or early in life. Or anything. Or anything, right. They will get injuries early and then take them for the rest of their life because their bodies weren't, you know, well formed to what they were doing, right? Right, Or they'll develop arthritis early. And so um, my instructors have been like, and this is like my direct instructors, but they're like pretty protective of of kids and their bodies and not wanting them to overtax them early in life. That's great. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, Yeah. Just because, yeah. I mean, I've met so many guys who played football in high school that still have injuries that they that they work around. Right. Know? Yeah. And, and, and actually they were 15 or 16. Right. And actually like my, my, um, my sensei, my, my most senior instructor, he, he has like a football injury in his knee mm-hmm. that still like plagues him to this day. And he's in his 60 or and he might be in his seventies now, but it still plagues him to this day. And that's the one thing that's really affected his practice is that knee injury from playing football as a kid. Right. So not to say that you can't get injuries. I've gotten plenty of injuries. Sure. I mean, um, you're 15. My ad, my ad, my ad. I'm about to do an ad. Rangers, it's another ad for the Care of Vitamins from TakeCareOf.com, where you enter the promo code DORK50, the number five zero, because you get 50% off your first month of personalized Care of Vitamins. Because it's the new year, and you can have health goals. I have health goals. And some of those goals are taking vitamins. And the great thing about Take Care of Vitamins is that they come in tiny packets that remind you to take them each and every day. 
First of all, there's an online quiz. Who doesn't love an online quiz? Asks you about your diet, health goals, lifestyle choices. Takes five minutes to find out your personal, scientifically backed vitamin and supplement recommendations. It's the new year. Build a vitamin routine that's made just for you and your health goals. A portion of every sale goes to the Good Plus Foundation, which provides expectant mothers in need with valuable prenatal vitamins. They also have vegan and vegetarian supplement options available to match any sort of dietary needs you might have. I took the quiz. I get the vitamins. I take the vitamins. And it's good to know that I'm working towards the different goals. And for me, I just need to work on my energy and I need to work on sort of the clarity of mind, because I'm going through the pterogen mists, as everyone knows. Getting your vitamins should be easy and convenient. Your personalized care of subscription box gets sent right to your door every month. Take advantage of this month's special New Year offer for 50% off your first month of personalized care of vitamins. Go to takecareof.com and enter the promo code DORK50. Let's get back into the show. Here's in. Yeah. So, um... And you did it, you started at school. I started it, yeah, when I was 19. So uh, you can do the math. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, But (laughs) yeah, so I was definitely not a child when I started. So, um, but yeah, I started when I was 19 and um, went to grad school and had to take a little bit of time off for that and couldn't dedicate as much time to it. So I'm actually... How much time do you have to, do you recommend dedicating to it? So here's the thing that people don't like to hear. Um, (laughs) (laughs) it's like any skill or hobby or talent, as I'm sure you can speak to with comedy, you have to put the time in to get good at it. And a lot of people are like, oh, you mean I can't earn a black belt in three years? Or, oh, you know, it's like, yeah, you could if you went down the street to the McDojo and paid a lot of money, sure. And you could do whatever you want. Exactly. But um, I can say after 15 years that I'm in pretty good shape. I have good flexibility. I can take a punch. I know how, where and how to deliver a punch. And I'm not saying that if someone with a gun or if a giant dude jumped me, he wouldn't be able to like kill me or rape me. I'm not saying that because, you know, you 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 can only prepare for those as much as you can. Right. But like I would probably be okay. In, in hopefully. most situations. In most situations. In most hopefully. situations you are bendy enough, flexible enough, and strong enough. Yeah, and can yell loud enough and like all these things and, and have like, you know, develop that level and of running, awareness. Are pretty good running skills? Uh, I mean, yeah, I run a lot. Actually, that's the one thing I tell all people when they start practice. So I've got a couple people who are newer to practice now because now that I'm a black belt, I do some teaching here and there when, when I'm the highest ranking person who's around. Typically, the highest ranking person in the dojo will lead practice or do the instruction. Okay. Um. But, you know, when I have new students, especially women, I say, you've got to be able to run at least a mile. Like, try to get up your cardio enough to where you could run a sprint or a mile to run away from danger. Like, you know, I've gotten to the point where I don't, when I started to practice, I practiced because it looked cool and I wanted to do it. I just, I wanted to do karate or I wanted to do a martial art. I didn't care what it was, right? Right. It's just karate was the thing I fell into. fell into karate. I fell into karate. Okay. If it had been anything else, I probably would have fell in, fallen into that. But like, Just as hard. Yeah, but. but I fell in love with this style, and I fell in love with this group of people, and that's what kept me. Yeah. Um, and so, but I always tell people, like, you've got to get your cardio up enough to be able to run a mile if you can. If you can't physically run because of an injury or your, your body weight or whatever or right. your age, um, because, you know, as we get older, our knees and ankles won't allow us to do certain things, then, you know, always be thinking about how can I hit someone in the groin? 
Okay. You know, like, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Don't, don't be, uh, yeah, don't be classy about it at no, all. No, no. Uh, that person is going to hurt you. Right. So, yeah. Uh, bite him. Kick him in the groin. Definitely. Do whatever you fight, fucking need to do. Fight fucking dirty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fight dirty. There's absolutely no honor in lying there and getting raped. No, no. So. Which, you know, could, I'm not saying like anyone who practices karate or any other martial art, like they would be able to get out of any situation. Like, no. you know, life is what it is, but yeah. it's all about how you practice and what your mentality is. And so... I wish to weed off very quickly and to talk about this, uh, this, uh, the running a mile. Yeah. There's a, a book by the guy who wrote the Spencer for hire novels. Okay. <laughs> uh, Robert Parker. Uh-huh. It is called wilderness, I think. Okay. And it is not about Spencer for hire. Mm-hmm. It is about, uh, sort of a middle-aged couple mm-hmm. and, um, he witnesses a crime. Okay. And the bad guys come and tie up his wife uh-huh. and, um, and how he sort of, uh, has it's it's literally it's an examination of sort of toxic mexi- masculinity, uh-huh. but from a, like a 1982 sensibility where Ooh. this guy has interesting. To, it's such an interesting, weird, super fast novel. Uh-huh. Like it's just a it's just a novel. It's called Wilderness. Robert Parker, knock yourselves out. Back to karate. No, <laughs> uh, because he what what he did is it yeah as the movie as the as the movie as the book starts mm-hmm. he's. He's taken up jogging again. Right. And he wants to he wants to just get his wind up, right? Mm-hmm. He wants to be able to run. And spoiler alert, it is a key ingredient. And mm-hmm. why wouldn't it be? It's introduced the first thing in the book. Right. So at the end of the book, um, he is able to run a mile. He's able to run a couple of miles. Yeah. Is that a giant fucking spider? Oh um, my yeah, it is. Do you want me to just, you know, like haya kung fu it for you? You could haya kung fu it for me, <laughs> or I could be reasonable. But I don't enjoy spiders. Uh, no, are you like actually afraid of spiders? I don't enjoy spiders. But okay. what? what can, no, you don't have to. Okay. We, uh, but right. I'm. But what I am is I'm also trying to learn how to. <laughs> Uh, a lot because spiders do good works. They do good works. And, I mean, uh, I'm, I'll keep an eye on him, but right, I don't. He doesn't seem to be very mobile. I think right. The only spiders I always kill are uh-huh. black widows. I've only seen one in my whole life. We have hundreds of them uh-huh. in Los Angeles. Okay. And uh, the other thing that happens is indoor spiders. Uh, if someone's good with spiders, they they put them outside. Yeah. If there's no one there who's good with spiders, indoor spiders die. <laughs> uh, very sad but uh what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna pretend to some extent that i have not seen that spider sounds good um and uh you will get this time back okay no don't uh, worry about it no 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 we can't right. uh so so you started when you were 19 yeah and so and and you lead other uh, some of the Let's try to get back to what you wanted to say. Oh, yeah, about, I don't remember. It doesn't matter. Of, of what, um, oh, when you lead, you tell people to run. Yeah, yeah. I, I encourage people to to try and, and, you know, jog and get their cardio up um, because it, it it's just important to be able to, you know, get away from a bad situation if you have to, like, mm-hmm. um, it, quickly. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I don't practice anymore to... to to, to say I do a martial art or to associate myself with a certain martial art, I'm really trying to be more in the mindset of like, okay, how is this applicable? I'm getting older. I'm losing muscle mass. Uh, you know, I don't want to become a target. And so um, I'm, I'm when I teach people, I kind of am starting to kind of like keep that mentality of like, okay, know what you're doing and know what it's for and know how it's applicable and know its limitations, right? What and is it for? So I think for me personally – um, studying karate now 
is um, a way to um, sort of face myself and face challenges because it, it is very physically difficult at times and it can be. Um, and, and it's not, not, not like for suffering, you know, like, Oh, you build character by suffering, but it really allows you depending on how you practice to sort of test your physical limits and see what you can and can't do. Um, I think that depending on your practice, it can be a very, very useful, certain techniques can be very useful from a self-defense perspective, but I don't think it's the end-all be-all. Um, there are a lot of limitations with karate from a self-defense perspective. Like, for example, yes, please. if you're a smaller person, um, it's very easy to be overpowered and thrown to the ground, and karate is very much a style that was developed under the assumption you'd always be on your feet. Oh, okay. And so when you get thrown to the ground, which could very easily happen, um, what do you do? And right. so now, um, within the next couple of weeks, I'm actually going to kind of, I'm going to start um, studying jujitsu with some some friends I've made who um, are, you know, practitioners of that uh, to sort of build some confidence and if I did get on the ground, what would I do? Is jujitsu more ground based? Yeah. So jujitsu or Brazilian jujitsu you may have heard of is a lot of locking techniques, um, ground techniques, how to hold and pin someone and how to use, a, you'll hear this with a lot of martial arts, but like how to use someone's power against them. Yeah. Um, and so jujitsu, like if you've ever watched mixed martial arts or you've seen screenshots or like whatever, usually if there's two guys or girls wrestling each other on the ground, they're yeah. using jujitsu jitsu techniques. Okay. And so Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which I don't know much about, was developed in Brazil using influence from, you know, Japanese jiu-jitsu and in East Asian martial arts, but it, it's a very very effective technique. Um but it was developed under the assumption that you would be on the ground and both people would be wearing gis, which is like the traditional martial arts uniform. So if you see like the white karate uniform oh, yeah. or the judo uniform that you which may is, have seen, which which is kind of like a a, a bathrobe yeah, it does kind of look like a bathrobe, a yeah. A little bit, or more tunicky. Yeah, tunicky or, open. yeah, kind of like, uh, almost like pajamas or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so Brazilian jiu-jitsu was developed under the assumption you'd be wearing a gi. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the holds and blocks and locks and that actually can use the gi against the person. So it's using their clothing against them. But like how many people fucking walking down the street of Bloomington do you see wearing a gi? <laughs> Nobody, right? Nobody. So, so Absolutely no one. Right. I have not seen it. So now there's a, a movement uh, or a style that's developed out of that called no gi jujitsu, which um, a lot of their your mixed martial artists will will train in when they're preparing for fights uh, or just you know training in general. Because um, what, what in, in mixed martial arts mm -hmm, on TV, mm -hmm. aren't they just wearing like weird swim trunks and stuff? Yeah, they're usually yeah. wearing very form-fitting attire and that's because you don't want someone to use your your uniform, your gi against you. So if okay. you go look and you look back at like UFC or MMA from like the 90s or early 2000s, um, maybe back to the 90s, I'm not an expert in this, but you'll see some folks who are wearing like the traditional garb of whatever yeah. style they trained in. Yeah. Um, and so you'll see people wearing gis. Now you don't see that. Because, it because could be they used were thrown you. to the yeah, because they were just kind of like you, choked to death. Yeah, you could be choked their... out with your collar yeah. or something like that. And so yeah. it's like, well, how do you eliminate that? Well, you just you wear basically almost nothing, right? And then you fight. Yeah. Um. So and but, plus the pay per view goes up. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Because there's a lot of noodliness. To there go is on. a lot of. I mean, there's a lot of men with very nice abs. Right, uh, right. There's, <laughs> there's clearly some sit ups going on. Exactly. And, uh, <laughs> so, what? Uh, so you're gonna work. So let's go back quickly though. Yeah, yeah. Because with 
karate, mm-hmm. you, you're on your feet. Mm-hmm. You're doing these different forms, mm-hmm. which is, uh, it's an open-handed thing. Right. So is it, if you're supposed to stay on your feet mm-hmm. and it's an open-handed thing, mm-hmm. is balance? Balance is really important. Yeah. Okay. And so, um, there, so because of that, we do, obviously we do kicks. That's a part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and there are people who are very talented that I've practiced with that can do very high, impressive, cool looking spinning kicks. And that's definitely something we will practice and train in, um, and then use when we're sparring. Um, but the, oh, like roundhouses? Or? Yeah, roundhouse kicks yeah, or, some video games, or high kicks so. to the head or cool yeah. spinning back kicks. Yeah. Um, but that's something like visually when you see that, it's probably not um, a traditional style of karate. It could be taekwondo. Taekwondo okay. is very big into these very high, very cool looking kicks. More acrobatic. Exactly. Kind of? Yeah. Okay. The problem with that is in the real world setting is it is super easy to knock someone off their feet when they're standing on one leg. Yeah. So kicks are something that I think in real world application um, can be done very effectively, but you have to really train and practice kicks against a heavy bag or against someone holding a bag because it's really easy to throw your body out of alignment and throw yourself off balance just by making contact with someone. Oh, okay. So when I practice kicks, I'm almost exclusively practicing them with the heel of my foot or the side of my foot to someone's knee or to the groin. And the groin, as it turns out, is a really hard area to get to. Right. Dudes don't uh, want to be hit there. Yeah. yeah. So they'll they'll tend to flinch or they'll they'll move their legs inward. And and so you really have to be mindful when you're practicing that about like how challenging it's actually going to be and how applicable right. it could be in a real world, you know, scenario. Right. And um Back to Spencer for hire for some Dude, reason. let's do it. <laughs> there was one that I read where um, clearly it was uh, somebody kicked Spencer for hire in the groin. Mm-hmm. And that's what I like to call it, by the way, Spencer for hire. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the dork forest and who founded it? This one. Anyway, um, but the uh, he got kicked and he and the, the bad guy who kicked him mm-hmm. was a woman and... Um, and he ended up subduing her anyway. Mm-hmm. And she, he was like, it was a good effort. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were correct. That is the correct place that you should have kicked me. It did hurt a great deal. Right. But what you got to know is that uh, I've been kicked there before. Yeah. And I can power through that pain. Yeah. And so if a guy has, if, if someone has been hit like that before, like mm-hmm. remember the first time you get winded? Yeah. It was terrifying. Yeah. Like if, if you lost your wind mm-hmm. and you couldn't breathe, you're right. like, oh, I'm dying. Right. And then the next time it happened, you're like, all right, calm down. Mm-hmm. This will pass, right? And your your lungs will re will expand again, or whatever. I've a, I've found to, well, yes, that's true. Um, I I've accidentally I personally have accidentally hit guys in the groin before, and guys have hit each other in the groin before during practice. And you've seen it, and I've seen it, and yeah, it's like you can tell they're in a lot of pain, and like maybe like a couple times I've seen a guy not I didn't do this, but a couple times I've seen a guy just like have to take a knee, right, yeah. and just like breathe through it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, there are dudes who can like they'll just you know grit their teeth and muscle through it, right. and when adrenaline's going. Um, that's something that, you know, you definitely still can't rely on. So you got to go for the eyes or things like that too. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. I mean, as, 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 as a, as a grat in, in aggression, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the things to go to are the obvious things to go to and you got to do them. Mm -hmm. But, um, so balance is super important. Right. Yeah. And is that what a lot of the early practices is just trying to keep your feet? 
Absolutely. Yeah, that's a really that's really insightful. So the early practices when you're first starting, and this is another thing people don't like, <laughs> they're like, well, I want to just punch and kick things and I want to spar with people. It's like, okay, I break bricks. Exactly. Exactly. Like, it's like, slow your roll, dude. Like, let's let's learn how to actually stand and walk first. <laughs> so we have um, Shotokan Karate is pretty well known amongst martial arts practitioners as having like a uh, very um, square stanced and very linear movements. And part of that is to deal with the balance. Um, so my first couple, so my personal experience when I started my first month of practice was essentially like you learn how to stand and you learn how to walk in a stance and moving your hips in such a way to be able to balance yourself when you're kind of low to the ground in this stance. I didn't learn any punches or kicks or blocks or do any sparring for a month. Wow. Um, and and the, how many times a week were you going? I was going like three times a week. Okay. So, And, and how long is an average session? Uh, an hour and a half. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and like that first month, like I had, I had pristine model feet and now I have the hooves of a goat. <laughs> but when I started, um, I had I got so many blisters because we practice on a hardwood floor barefoot. Okay. And so you're learning essentially a new way to walk, yeah. um, a new way to kind of, you know, have in a stance. And it can be really hard on your feet. So I developed a lot of blisters and now I have so many calluses that I could probably walk through coals and that wouldn't be an issue. Oh, right. Yeah. So um, very, very ugly feet. Uh, karateka do not have pretty feet. Oh, they do not have pretty feet. No. But do you do you uh, walk on gossamer wings? Are you very <laughs> graceful? <laughs> um, I think I can be, uh, but <laughs> probably, checking. you know, nah, that's actually another thing too, that as you t- train, you know, initially when you start, everything is like you want to muscle, use your muscles a lot and, you know, uh, be very strong and powerful and punch really hard and, you know, stamp and stomp. Uh, but you find out over time, like one, that's less effective because you're, you're using a lot of energy in your muscles and that actually makes you slower. But then also the, the stamping and stomping can hurt your ankles and your knees. And so over time you can actually, um, or I've seen people and I have developed a way to get through practices and you almost can't hear people walk. Yeah. Like it's like, it's, you know, just like walking down the hall, you make noise. Yeah. Like when you're walking on the hardwood floor, mm-hmm. it's like now it's a little more quiet. And, okay. And, 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 and that's true in practice. And then just when I walk on bare feet and it's not like something I've done intentionally, it's just something that's developed over time. Right. Cause that's, you've learned exactly how to stay balanced, mm-hmm. I think. Which yeah. Is, um, which would be amazing. Yeah. Like I, I, I am not particularly grace i mean i am relatively clumsy mm-hmm. so it would be something that would be really good to learn balance yeah and i think this is what what i would say to anyone who's like kind of interested in a martial art but you're like i'm not really into the fighting like yeah. i'm not i'm not into that aggression i would say still train whether it's um uh, you know, f- find a martial art, find a good teacher, a school in your area, because you do get a lot of benefits from training in martial arts, like flexibility, yeah. um, really good stamina. You you build muscle mass in certain areas because it, it's isometric in a lot of ways where you're using your own body weight to build your muscles. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it can be pretty low impact depending on what you're doing. Um, 
So I think training in martial arts is just great for people in general. Okay. Um, even if you don't want to get into the sparring, you know, you don't have to be out there and be a mixed martial arts fighter. Like, no, no. Uh, like I, I do get hit at least once a week, uh, but right. it's not in the face Are you usually. Still going three times a week. So right now my schedule doesn't allow it. Right now I'm, I'm practicing on average two times a week. Okay. Um, and usually one, one of those two times a week I'm teaching. Okay. So um, I'm not getting in as much exercise from practice when I physically go to practice. Right. Um, but I still on my own will do my kata. Uh, if I'm at a gym where they have one, I'll try to hit a heavy bag. I live in a pretty small apartment, so I don't have like my own, you know. Right, there's no room. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I just, I don't have like a punching bag or anything like that set up anymore. But um, yeah, so so I train on my own. I do a lot of cardio. I do a lot of running, do some weightlifting. And that's just to kind of, uh, you know, maintain my muscle mass as I go into my 30s, as I'm in my 30s and my 40s and trying to be mindful about like, keeping my physique uh, decent. Um, I'm very much like an endomorph, which is like a body type that tends to gain muscle pretty easily, but also okay. gain fat very, very easily. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm trying to mitigate that and, yeah, and, yeah. and slow the progression of, of becoming like, you know, uh, a bit of a roly-poly. Um, a lot of my family are very overweight, and so I'm trying to... So you've got psychological issues. I've got, well. oh, I've got yes. so much baggage. Yeah, yeah. So in addition. Yeah, so... A, no offense to anyone, you have your own journey. I've got my own journey. Inside committee meeting 24-7. Oh my uh, gosh, Jackie, yes, yeah. Um, I was talking... By the way, let me just remind people yeah. who I'm talking to here. It is uh, Rachel Richard. Yep, yep. Richard, yeah. Richard, okay, and it is... Um, the Playing Hooky Podcast is your podcast, and it's at Hooky Podcast yeah. on Twitter. And utilitymuffinlabs.com is your um, essentially podcast network yeah. website, right? Oh, yes. Uh, we're a very successful podcast network. No, no, no. <laughs> well, you have three. We have three, and we, we, don't, build. we don't have any sponsors yet, but uh, you know, maybe someday. Uh, right. It's a very niche market. Not, not many people are interested in listening to me and my boyfriend talk about... Um, our, our nerdy shit but but we're getting there we're getting uh, there. the white wolf one is hilarious yeah uh, i like the idea of that one oh, kind of a lot yeah um not that your playing hooky isn't isn't a uh, it, compelling it, it, narrative as well no it's 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 you know it is what it is if people yes. want to listen that's great we enjoy doing it so. okay so now we've discussed balance yes now let us discuss the open hand okay uh, what what's happening with the 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 handwork i mean mm -hmm. because if i is karate the one where you break the boards uh it is one where bro boards are broken yeah so yeah. i think there's a lot of styles that do that um taekwondo definitely does it too um but the idea is uh the shotokan shotokan does yeah we yeah. we do um i have on occasion but um one thing that one of my instructors said is like, why would you want to break a board? What'd the board ever do to you? Um, right. So it's uh, like, they're not wrong. It, it's a dad joke, but it's, it's, a it's joke, effective. But it's a perfectly good dad yeah, joke. Yeah, it makes the point. Um, so the idea is, is that, uh, yeah, uh, you, you, you don't fight with weapons. Um, there are some schools of karate, I think, that do use weapons or, you know, have both staff or nunchucks. Uh, that's not anything I've ever done, so I can't comment on it. Okay. But um, I think, again, that's kind of more of like um, a... a a more recent development, uh, recent as in since the 60s or 70s, where someone's like, I'm going to do karate. Oh, also, this shit's cool. Let's do them both at the same right. time. I want to get those stars. Exactly. And throw them at people. Exactly. 
Um, but but yeah, so it is an open hand. Obviously, we fight with a closed fist, but essentially there's um, a couple different ways you can hold your hands. One would be a closed fist uh, with the idea being that when you deliver the attack and punch, you're hitting with just the, the two knuckles right here. Okay. Um, the, the, the first two, two knuckles, the first point two. a finger in the, the middle. Yeah, the yeah. Finger. And okay. that's where you're supposed to be hitting with. Um, if you kind of hook and hit with like your pinky or your ring finger, there's a good chance you could damage and get like what's called a boxer's fracture um, where you would fracture one of the metacarpals in your hand. So we try to be very linear, linear and make sure we're always um, hitting with those first two knuckles because we don't wear gloves typically. Right. So whereas people who are doing MMA or boxing, their hands would be a bit more protected. Yeah. Um, since we're not wearing any gloves, we want to make sure that we're protecting our, our hands as much as possible. Um, there's also an open hand attack, which is a knife hand attack, um, where you would either be striking with the outside edge of your hand, the blade edge of your hand along your pinky, um, or perhaps even like um, kind of throwing it almost like a spear where you would be hitting a vital point or a pressure point with um, your... your from, uh, the fingers? from the fingers? From yeah. the fingers, yeah. So something to the eyes or maybe something to the throat. Okay. Um, or even like the... What's sometimes solar- sometimes called the solar plexus, right, right here, where yeah. if you hit it just right, there's like a nerve cluster. Uh, it's really hard to hit. I've been hit there once, though, where someone punched me there, and I saw stars, and then I immediately belched louder than I've ever belched in my life because oh, they just like knocked all the air out of me. Or so right, I don't. Right. Yeah, it was crazy. So that is crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a, so. Have you been both? Um, Hit with the uh, the punch, mm-hmm. the side of the hand, and the the fingers. No, I've never been hit with the side of the hand or the fingers, but I have been hit with a punch, and I have had someone's toenails graze my eye before, which ah. was an experience I hope to never repeat. Wow! So, <laughs> yeah, that sounds like cornea damage. Yeah, it was very close. And she afterwards, she was like, "Are you okay?" And I'm like, "I'm fine," but like you were millimeters away from my like eyeball exactly. yeah exactly i'm gonna yeah. need those yeah so did she it was a? it was clearly a kick it was a kick yeah so she was she was kicking with the um i think i think her intent was to do like almost like a a roundhouse kick where she kind of slapped my head with the ball of her foot yeah uh but i was a little too far back and so what happened was was her toes just kind of went right here and like i felt it graze my eyelashes so i was like oh man that would have been terrifying yeah so oh my gosh (laughs) that (laughs) rivals the spider anyway i did a quick glance see where the spider was at anyway so um okay so but you have both but you mo- do you mostly use your hand and feet? Yeah. Like you use the fist and the and the foot? Yeah, yeah. There was one time where uh, I was sparring in practice and um I was delivering a counterattack in a controlled way such that I wasn't actually going to be hitting the person. Yeah. And I I was doing a maneuver that I learned in a kata wherein I in the kata, remember there's not a person there. You grab the back of the head and you, the idea is is you're I'm trying not to move the mic but you you grab the back of the head and the idea is, is you kind of pull down with your hands and pull the person's head into your knee. Okay. And so I did that in practice once and um, just very gently did it as if motioned as if I was going to do that, grab the person by the back of the head, pull them down gently. And my instructor's like, never do that with a, a person in practice. He's like, never, ever do that again because you could actually really hurt someone. Okay. And I was like, okay. So since then I've just like, it's only feet and hands with, for me. Yeah. Um, sometimes a knee, but usually not. So interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So what, um, so the, pra- the, what is the practice with the hand? 
Because uh, you're doing it in kata. Your kata is just where you're making the motions. You're practicing. You're doing muscle memory, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so d- d- are you? And I've and I've seen video of this, mm-hmm. obviously, where or you've seen like the kids lined up. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw the Karate Kid. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so you're slowly making the punch. Uh-huh. You're slowly making the the knife chop. Right. My ad, my ad, my ad. I'm about to do an ad. Rangers, are you getting married? <laughs> because this is an ad for Zola. And Zola is the easiest way to plan your wedding and register. Over 500,000, that's half a million couples, have used Zola. They take the stress out of the wedding planning because it's all in one place. When you join Zola, you get a wedding website, your dream wedding registry, affordable save the dates and invitations, easy to use planning tools, you can manage everything online and in one place, and it saves time, and it's only one place where your guests have to go, so it's great. I mean, that would have been great. I, I fielded a lot of calls when we got married because everyone came to our wedding because we were not young, and so everyone comes to see the spectacle. You start with a free wedding website. It's easy, takes minutes to set up. There's a hundred beautiful wedding website designs to choose from. You can add photos, stories about how you met, travel and accommodations, info. There's an FAQ section, a fact section to help address the awkward questions like, can I bring my kids? No. Do I have a plus one? Yes. Is it one of my kids? Okay. This type of thing. You can put your Zola registry on your wedding website so the guests can get all the details they need and buy your wedding gift in one convenient and beautiful place. You can build your dream registry on Zola. They have a wide selection of gifts at all different price points. And you can just go through and pick. And there's free shipping and returns and price matching. There's also a way to set up funds. Wedding gift for a honeymoon or a house or a puppy or whatever you want. They also have the best completion discount. So when you didn't get the stuff you want and you're married, there's 20% off any remaining gifts on your registry starting right after the big day. So to start your free wedding website, so... To start your free wedding website and also get $50 off your registry on Zola, go to Zola.com, Z-O-L-A dot com slash dork, D-O-R-K. Rangers, let's get back into the show. How many different forms are you practicing? How many different ways of hitting someone are you practicing in the kata? There's there's many different kata. Um, they Some of them have different techniques that are practiced throughout. Um, but I would say that the knife hand attack is one where um, some kata, you're kind of coming in and you're striking with the outside edge. Some you're coming in and you're, you're hitting with the fingertips. Um, and we're encouraged on our own to practice that either with each other to find out where that vital point is. Usually we'll do something to the abdomen or the torso right. um, to practice it. But you can practice it um, on a punching bag or having someone hold a pad. And it's important if you're going to do, especially that knife hand block where you're hitting with the tips of the fingers, to practice it and find out, like, well, what's it feel like? Is my wrist going to collapse inward? Are my fingers going to curl? And and do it over and over again so that if you had to do it in real life, um, if it was a technique you wanted to use in real life, that you would know how that feels. Right. Yeah. I suppose, right, because just going into the air and practicing all those forms Mm -hmm. is great, Mm -hmm. and it looks cool. Yeah. But it... um, but when you're sparring or when you were right. you were fighting somebody and it's sort of like what you were talking about with the kicking of the bags, so right. you would know what the actual balance feels like. Right. Yeah, cool? definitely. And so, um, yeah, so, so, so kata is one por- 
part and it's important part, but if you're only ever fighting air, then it's useless. Right. <laughs> right. right. And what about now you can, you, we can not go here. Uh, if you have, cause we're, we're at about 10 minutes. Okay. And, uh, but I want to know, like you said, you grew up watching all the movies and all the stuff like uh -huh. that. When you watch, do you still watch that stuff? Oh, do you ever watch films and, and technique on, Mm -hmm. Because, you know, there are actors who fight for the screen. Sure, There's, sure. Uh, people who fight for the stage. Right. And that feels like an entirely, but but comparable, like a real thing. Mm -hmm. But you have to be super specific if you're fighting for the screen or the stage so you don't actually hurt people. Yeah. And and that's, that's one thing that, um, so most people, if you're watching like the Matrix movies. Yeah. Or any, any that, that's the first one that comes to mind. Um, well, it's newer than the Jackie Chan movies. Yeah, or the I Jackie had. Chan movies, yeah, or uh, like, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which is what got me first interested, <laughs> um, or Three Ninjas, or any of those mov kids' movies from the 90s. Um, you know, things are very choreographed, and they look very clean. And then when people fight in real life, it's anything but clean. Because you right. don't know what someone's going to do, you don't know what's going to work. Right. But that being said, it is fun to watch movies where they're choreographed, because you can be like, oh, that's what they were going for, or that's what that technique is going to look like. For example, yes. in Batman Begins, yes. there's a part where Batman is fighting someone and he does um, a Shotokan move or the same exact move is done by Sub-Zero in one of the um, uh, Mortal Kombat video games. Yes. It's a move where uh, you take both Now fists. you have my interest. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so if you go back and you'll be able to find it, but it's a Shotokan movement um, where you take the idea is, is is someone is kind of coming in maybe and uh, grabbing your hair, but in the movies they're not doing this, but you come in with one fist over the top of your head and one fist kind of under some under here. And the idea is, is it's a double strike, one to the chin and one to the to the solar plexus. Yeah. So you're hitting someone in the face and the solar plexus simultaneously and you're in this like really low stance where you're like this and you're yeah. coming in that way and you're driving forward with your hips. Yeah. And Batman does it, Christian Bale does it perfectly in Batman Begins. And the way they have Sub-Zero choreographed in like one of the more recent um, Mortal Kombat games, it looks perfect. And yeah. so that's like, it's fun to see those in pop culture and be like, oh, that's a Shotokan move. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's fascinating. Did you ever see the Mortal Kombat movies? Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. The first one uh, is such a good movie. It I is. I own that movie. It's so fun. Uh, it is a really fun movie. Your soul will be mine. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, exactly. Uh, but and and, uh, and and the acrobatics are wonderful, quite honestly. Mm -hmm. um, Where's Chris Christopher Lambert from? Like, where? What is what that is accent? That accent? <laughs> like, what is it? Well, I, all I know is that there can only be one. That's true. Uh, I think maybe he's from the Highlander. He could uh, be. It certainly isn't a Scottish accent. No. And, and and yet he was Scottish in the beginning of Highlander. I can't figure it out, but I'm I'm glad he played Raiden. It was it was amusing. Yeah, it really uh, it it gave the entire movie credibility. Mm -hmm. Quite honestly, right? Yeah. And uh, the guy who played him in the second one was not quite as good. You know, I don't um, recall. I think I did see the second one, but it's not one that I've I've rewatched. But Mortal Kombat, the original Mortal Kombat, that's something that gets thrown on Netflix every, you know, two, three years while I'm doing housework, you know? You, you know what? And it's a great movie to, because uh, then you could stop, mm -hmm. watch the scene you like, and then keep moving. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. I love a movie you can keep moving to. Right. And uh, so 
what about the Jackie Chan movies? What is he doing? That's he's Chinese. Yeah, so I think that that is a lot of that is based around kung fu. Um, So Jackie Chan actually was in a couple movies with Bruce, or one movie for sure with Bruce Lee. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the um, kung fu style stuff that Bruce Lee was doing is a lot of what Jackie Chan is doing, and so Hong Kong. uh, uh, like martial arts movies, like w- with Jackie Chan, for yeah. for example, um, or Jet Li, uh, usually are focused on like kung fu. And a lot of the movies that became popular in the early two thousands, like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, yeah. or The Matrix, they used a lot of that um, Hong Kong style cinema choreography. That's like very beautiful, and people are like you flying. know flying across <laughs> pine trees and things like that. Uh, so so yeah, so that's like. I think more of a Chinese style. Yeah. Right. And so Kung Fu is, I know that it's its own thing, mm-hmm. but what is the, what is the difference of, do you know anything about Kung Fu? I don't know anything about Fair Kung enough. Fu. I think other than the cultural difference and one's from Japan and one's from China, uh, I would say that all martial arts are sort of influenced by traditional Chinese martial arts. Mm-hmm. Um, well, all, is- all like Japanese, Korean martial arts, um, probably for some ex- extent, Thailand and, and martial arts that are probably more traditional to, to India and, and those places in Asia probably are all, um, you know, just different flavors of the same ice, you know, of ice just cream. Exactly. In, like uh, just through right routes. exactly yeah they're uh, all they're all related but i would say like just visually not knowing anything about kung fu i would say that um my impression is is that watching one versus the other i find kung fu and tai chi and more chinese style martial arts to actually be more visually appealing and beautiful to watch whereas i think that the japanese martial arts that are um weaponless tend to be a more Mm, utilitarian and right. and they are don't there movies are there karate movies uh well uh i think maybe um but when i think about like japanese martial arts being in movies i'm thinking more of like samurai movies like yeah. seventh samurai or 13th more warrior yeah because like let's be awesome like or let's let's be real like swords are awesome like yeah. the samurais are <laughs> fucking cool yeah they're really yeah. fucking cool yeah and um and the and then the Karate Kid, of course, mm-hmm. had uh, the, uh, talk to me briefly about yeah. um, the kick thing that he does. Oh, like the the the, the, the crane swan, kick, the crane. The, the sw- yeah, um, that is not a real thing that I'm to my knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's definitely something you can do. Um, <laughs> sure, you can definitely stand it is on distracting on to hold your arms out. It is, <laughs> yeah, exactly, um, but. Uh, it looked cool, and I love that movie to this day. Um, to that, this day, that, that movie, movie. Did you see the remake with uh, Will Smith's kid? I did. Uh, that oh. wasn't karate. Uh, it was Jackie Chan teaching him some type of like kung fu. Okay, but because we're Americans and we're dumb, and it's easier it's to name it the Karate the, Kid. Yeah, yeah exactly. And it's a remake. They just went with more karate. Exactly. But now was Mr. Miyagi? Mm-hmm. Uh, was that karate that he was teaching him? Uh, yeah, I think so. I yeah, mean, as it far looked. As you could tell? Yeah, it looked like some type of you know um, the wax on, wax off. It looked kara- sure. karate ish, um, <laughs> which is as much as Hollywood sometimes can do for you. Right, right, and it's an ish exactly. And so, um, you know, that movie was very like formative for me. Like I saw, it, I'm like, oh, I want to do that. Ugh. And then in my mind, I built up what 
um, martial arts were and sort of the, the relationship between student and master. And, and even though that movie is a lot of bullshit, there yeah. is like a, a kernels of like the real sort of, um, uh, respect that's given to elders, yeah. right? Um, that is inherent in Japanese culture. That's not something that translates always well to like American culture. Yeah. Um, and so that was something that was really important to me when I stuck with the group that I'm currently in. I also in. like um, in those movies the kernel of, of truth that comes out of it. It always they always seem to be a certain amount of serenity mm-hmm. that they're going for. You right, it's just like sort of a a controlled kind of inner peace. Yeah, that where you're like, well, at least you can control these movements, so you can breathe through things. Mm-hmm. And it teach. I mean, it what it what always drew me to them was the fact that there was a it would slow things down. Mm. And I was like, well that seems like a good idea. Yeah. Um <laughs> so yeah. right. But yeah, when there, whenever there's a kernel of truth in a movie, you're mm-hmm. just like, well, I'll take it. Right. But it I mean, this isn't like I saw um the Freddie Prince uh, movie when I was a kid. It was an after school special. Oh, okay. He killed himself and he was a stand up comic. <laughs> oh my gosh. And uh, it was about suicide after okay. school special. Yeah. Essentially they're um somebody compared this because I just did an episode where uh the the whoever I was interviewing space the name. Uh-huh. It was about sad lit, sick lit. It's okay. about um uh it, it's a young adult style of of books where uh the kid somebody dies. Okay. And it's oh John uh, Green is killing us with those. It's uh, and it's somebody has leukemia. Yes, someone something <laughs> like that. The cancer. Yeah, and it's some fourteen year old. And, yeah. and it's how other fourteen year olds deal with death mm-hmm. is what it's all about. Right. After school specials were essentially that's all they were. Right. It was essentially alcoholism. Mm-hmm. Weird. Yeah. And uh, and so you'd come home from school <laughs> and, and ABC would have something about suicide or alcoholism or right. domestic abuse or and it would go on like that. It would be rape. It would be something. Mm-hmm. And, and the one about uh, suicide was with a stand-up comic named Freddie Prince mm-hmm. who was on a TV show called Chico and the Man. Okay. And he ended up killing himself and but he did stand-up comedy and it was called, I believe... Can't hear the laughter. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember watching this um, and thinking, I want to do stand-up comedy. <laughs> wow, Jackie. So you were watching something about suicide, and that's what made you... And it you, did yeah. not work out for this guy. Yeah. The only other reference to stand-up comedy I remember as a child was a Billy Joel song called... Um, my life, uh-huh. and it was a, and I remember the line distinctly. I was about fourteen years old, and um, it was he had a friend who moved to L.A. to do stand up, mm-hmm. and that's in the song. Okay, it's literally two sentences in a pop song from nineteen seventy whatever. Right, and I was like, stand up comedy, weird. So like, what? But did you start watching or listening to albums? Like, you never know? did. Really, never did. Uh, did not uh, know anything about stand up comedy. I remember seeing. I was drawn to cop- to sitcoms mm-hmm. as a kid, yeah. As you, as one would be, mm-hmm. and I remember uh, memorizing some lines and stuff. Um, and my father going, "But why?" <laughs> and I was like, "Because I, what, what if there was a, a point when I could use that? That's a zinger." Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I used to do that too, but with um, the old Warner Brothers cartoons, like I would memorize lines from those that, like sure. you know, Bugs Bunny. I'm sure I was like very entertaining and not the least <laughs> bit annoying as a child. So right, yeah. and, yeah. and, and you're a child, whatever. Yeah. So um, <laughs> and then I saw stand up when I in 1984. Okay. And I started doing it that same year, mm-hmm. and it was uh, essentially, as far as I could tell, much like 
it was a very much a dorkdom initially because mm-hmm. I was like heroin. I was right. like, I tried to do it and I was like, oh, this is what I do now. Right. And uh, <laughs> and so yeah. it will be what I do, whether I continue to make a living at it or not. Mm-hmm. And that I think is what karate is. Yeah, definitely. Like it'll be something I continue to do, whether I... Uh, progress any further or if I can you know kick someone in the head or you know like I I don't really have any specific goals of like this is what I have to accomplish by this age anymore it's like I've got my second degree black belt if I make third degree black belt awesome if not uh it's definitely had a huge impact like my life would not be the same I would not be the same person I am today if I hadn't spent time doing this throughout you know the past 15 years and um I think it's been a worthwhile endeavor, regardless of of how good or bad I am, you know, because of that. Uh, I don't know how uh, th- this has been. It's an excellent button. You've uh, <laughs> you've ended this episode of the Dork Force very. <laughs> so what we're talking about here is um, Rachel Reichard. Works. There we go. Yep, close enough. And it is at Hooky Podcast yep. on Twitter. It's playing hooky podcast as a podcast. Uh-huh. And it's utilitymuffinlabs.com. Yeah. And Rachel, thank you so much for doing the show. It has been my pleasure. All right. And uh, Rangers, you know the rules out there. Take care of each other. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh my God. Thank we you. why don't we just call that as the end of the show?